today on Locked On Canadians, a Habs Kings preview, where will Martin St. Louis fall in terms of Habs history, and an update on our all-decade team project. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 968. We are, as you know, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every day, and we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. My name is Laura Sab, also known as The Active Stick, and I'm not joined, as always, by the wonderful Scott Matla, who is off tonight. I am flying solo, uh, and today we will be having, we'll, we'll be having a conversation about the uh, All-Decade team. I'll update you guys. First, I'll, I'll talk to, to you about what it is, and then I'll update you on some of the responses we've received uh, we are also going to talk about Martin St. Louis in response to a mailback question from uh, a lovely listener, uh, one of our one of our friends of the show. Uh, but first, I want to talk to you about the Habs LA Kings game, uh, and we'll do that preview in our first segment. So, obviously, the LA Kings are a fantastic team. They are truly. Honestly, I feel like I don't want to say a juggernaut, but they are so good. They're so good right now. They are currently fifth in the entire league and um, their point percentage or win percentage is 750, which is in comparison to the Canadians, which are at exactly 500 right now, exactly 500. And they are all the way down 22nd in the standings out of 32. Uh, the Los Angeles, if that's not scary enough, the Los Angeles Kings have won 15 of their games, lost four, uh, and lost three in overtime or shootout. They are currently on a two-game winning streak, but here's the thing. They have won seven of their last 10 games. Uh, they lost one, uh, sorry, they lost two. They lost one in overtime. So we know because the Canadians were one of those teams that they beat. They didn't just beat the Canadians. They embarrassed the Canadians. They played so well against them. They practically ran the Habs out of their building. Well, not their own building, but, you know, the Staples Center or whatever we call it now. Um, that arena. So where the Canadians are right now, they're coming off a massive massive win they had a great showing in their last game which was on monday night against the kraken so much so that we were poised in our three up three down we were poised uh and ready to say that the canadians had multiple downs and then as a result of that game we flipped a lot of that on their head right josh anderson obviously uh finally scored a goal but he played really well and also it's like it's a winning combination i guess putting him around the fourth line third fourth line i think he's he's a serviceable serviceable second liner but really on the third line he seems to really be finding his game or he seems to be playing the best when he's there 
Uh, and then the other thing too is that Yuri Slavkovsky, despite not getting onto the score sheet, had a phenomenal game. He played a mate. He was all over the ice. He made it so hard for the opponents to play against. He controlled so much of the p- play. He really started to show signs of what made him a number one overall pick. And um, it's been actually a really interesting couple of days because since that game, a lot of the listeners in the comments or some of the, the discourse I've been seeing around uh, is that maybe, you know, it is paying off for the Canadians to be patient with him. Maybe he is learning things. I think for me, um, I'm impatient to see him on the top line. I'm impatient to see him where he's supposed to be when the halves contend. So that's why a lot of the times I'm kind of griping about, you know, why are they playing too few minutes? Why are they not playing him on the line that he's suited to? Why are they playing him with this guy or that guy or that's not working? I have a lot of faith in Uri Slavkovsky's potential. I think he hasn't even begun to scratch the surface, and I think it's there. I know there's a lot of debate about this. I know a lot of people might disagree with me, but I truly feel that that potential is there, and that is how I, I feel very strongly that, that it's there. Um, so what I like sort of <laughs> went off on a tangent here. We also talked about how Samuel Montembeau really played well in that cracking game. Uh, we talked a lot about how the defense was not as abysmal as it usually is. It's not always abysmal. Like sometimes it just feels very lost. Like the defense just feels very put together. And obviously the injuries are not helping the Canadians. But um, I think that... I I don't necessarily expect them to win against the LA Kings, not because I'm not a Habs fan or not a good fan or whatever. I just think the Kings are too good and the Canadians aren't, they're, they're not there yet, right? Like the Kings were in this position a few years ago. I'm not worried about the Canadians overall long-term. I just don't think this is going to be the funnest of games for a Montreal Canadiens fan. Um, But I think the three keys to the game really, really is to be able to take and keep possession of the puck, right? The the Kings play a very strong puck possession game, um, and the Canadians need to take that away from them. They need to capitalize on any mistakes the Kings make because they don't make very many. If you look at their like, if you look at their individual stats and things like that, they don't really have many people that stand out at this point in the season. It looks to be more like a committee by committee thing. I was trying to look at the underlying numbers too and try to compare the two teams. Uh, but I wasn't super well versed in that. So I wasn't really able to truly articulate why the Kings just are so much better than the Canadians right now. But it does, they, they have a full team buy in. Every single person's committed. It's not one superstar. There, there are superstars or superstar potentials on that team. It's just not one taking over the entire show. Um, they are getting, you know, solid everything at the moment. So the Canadians really have their work cut out for them. And also, like as with everything the Canadians need to stay disciplined I sometimes find that even though we've talked so much about how their even strength game has improved this season they do seem to have a habit of killing their own momentum either by taking an inopportune penalty or having a power play that then you know that's not inspiring that doesn't that doesn't really do much isn't really 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 creative um, and seems to stifle their creativity a little bit so Habs fans, sorry, not Habs fans. The three keys to the game for the Montreal Canadiens are capitalize on any mistakes LA makes, uh, try and take control of the game early, uh, because if you let the Kings in, they're just going to run away with it, as we have seen literally a couple weeks ago. Um, 
and also try and keep the game uh, at even strength for as much as you possibly, possibly can. Um, I think that's it for me for the for the Kings game. We're going to see what it is. I don't, it's not that I don't, I'm not excited about it or I'm not hopeful for it. I think the Canadians just have their work cut out for them. And obviously we will be back um, to recap that game and we will have your mailbag questions, but I did want to talk about one of said mailbag questions because it's pretty topical. Uh, people are still talking about it in the comments or in our replies or in our DMs. Uh, so I did want to bring it up and go over it a little bit. And that is the topic of Martin St. Louis as Habs coach. I did grab it out of the mailbag and it's from one of our good friends. And we will be talking about that truly in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, which it is today, I was shoveling snow um, and I froze and I'm still cold. It was hours ago and I'm still cold. The NFL offers are still going to stay hot on FanDuel. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. You heard me right. $150. That's $150 if your team wins. Then if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than now. And guess what? The app is so easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. You can also bet on the NHL. There's so much stuff going on in the NHL right now. Maybe you still have Faith in Cole Caulfield to recover his game and score more than 40 goals <laughs> this season, a score total of 40 goals this season. Uh, that's something that you can bet on. So all you got to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and us. All right, so I wanted to bring up a mailbag question because I thought we could make a topic out of it. And it comes from our good friend. So I'm gonna, just going to dig it up here. We're going to, it comes from our good friend, Claude S, uh, in our emails. And it's about Martin St. Louis. <laughs> Hi, guys. You may want to throw this email in the poo-poo pile, but please hear me out. While Marty is the right coach for the moment, do you think he'll be able to transition from a member of the development team to a winning coach? Will he be able to work the refs, shorten his bench, sit a vet, spark the team in game rather than in between periods, call timeouts when needed and not when expected, or rely on instincts and emotion rather than analytics? In other words, do whatever it takes to win the game in front of him. I ask because I'm old enough to remember the puck bouncing off a sliding Henri Richard in 1966 to win the cup. It's not a textbook goal, but a winning goal. I just want to be around to see Suzuki do the same before I croak. Well, first of all, please don't croak. <laughs> but I think this is a really interesting question. And I actually really like it because we've talked a lot recently. You know, it's not just us. It's the Habs fan, Zeitgeist, blah, blah, blah. Um, talking about whether Martin St. Louis is a good coach or a bad coach. And we've talked a lot about how he's a learning coach, right? And there's a learning curve for him too. And we talked in, I think in our most recent episode, that there's a, um, there's not like, it's an instinct. I think it is. It's like a learned instinct a little bit. 
of Martin St. Louis to kind of default to old school coaching habits when something goes wrong. Like Scott and I talked about, you know, like some of the in-game decisions, the lineup decisions, you know, playing the veterans too long, putting veterans out on situations where instead of giving, you know, a younger, newer player an opportunity in certain situations, what do you have to lose? You're in a rebuilding year, blah, blah, blah. So we've talked a little bit about that. And so um, it's interesting here that Claude says a member of the development team. I mean, the timing of Martin St. Louis hiring obviously was to coincide with year zero of the rebuild. And Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon definitely saw something in him that would lead them to believe that he's the right coach for a developing team, right? Like they talk a lot about hockey. He's probably impressed them. And, you know, Kent Hughes talks about like going to dinner with Marty and talking for so many hours about hockey strategy and things like that. So they clearly see something in him on that front and they clearly uh, trust him to work with younger players. We know that he's a very inspirational leader. You know, his players want to run through a wall after he comes and he, he, you know, he talks to them, whether it's like before a game in between periods, which, you know, Claude does point out um, whether it's before a game, you know, he's the kind of guy that players really want to play for. They really want to succeed for uh, because he's an inspirational person in terms of how he handles them, how he deals with them, how he talks to them. Right. He's got that persona. He's got that, that leadership. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, some questions are, will he be able to work the ref, shorten his bench, sit a vet? Will he be, may, be, will he be able to make the hard decisions, I think, uh, Claude is asking. Uh, will he be rather to rely on instincts and emotion rather than analytics? I think this is the thing that I feel about analytics is that within the game, any game, I don't think analytics really come into play. Analytics come into play before and after the game. Uh, by that, I mean, you know, it's something where a coach or a management team or whoever front office uh, needs to look at the analytics over time to kind of learn how their players are trending, uh, to kind of learn, you know, like which situations or which line mates or whatever do players have better results with, things like that. But in the game, I think it, it, it moves too fast. I think you have to rely on instincts and emotion. And sometimes the instincts and emotions, like we talked about, default to old school stuff, old school like tactics. So I like that quote says, do whatever it takes to win the game in front of him. Not a great goal, but a winning goal, right? So I think Martin St. Louis, when the time comes... Will he be able to transition from a member of the development team to a winning coach? I think it's possible. I think there's strong potential for it too. Not just possibility, but potential. And the reason that I say that is because he's still learning, right? We're talking about that. He's still learning. Presumably by the time the Canadians get to uh, a time when they're contending or winning or whatever, he will have learned so many lessons between now and then, so many strategies, so many ways of analyzing the game, so many ways of looking at things. I truly think that he will be able to adapt. I think he's just right now, he's not adapting fast enough for our liking, or he's not adapting in the directions that we want him to adapt into, right? I think he's still figuring it out. I mean, if we're willing to be patient 
with Yuri Slavkovsky, which I know some of you are not, um, we should be able to be patient with Martin St. Louis, which again, I know some of you are not. Um, I do think that within Habs history, Martin St. Louis will be a coach that has a long chapter with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and I think that he will be associated with winning. I don't know if he's going to be associated with winning the Stanley Cup, but he'll be associated with winning in terms of maybe they have a really, really good season, like a really good regular season, or maybe they make the playoffs more consistently than they have in recent years. Uh, or maybe he brings out the best in some guys like Nick Suzuki or Cole Caulfield or Uri Slavkovsky. Don't forget that those three players, well, Slavkovsky, not so much this season, but Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield this, this season are comparatively quiet. So I think that has a lot to do with it. If Cole Caulfield was scoring as expected, I don't think we would be having these conversations about Marty. I really, really don't. So anyway, Claude, I, I really hope I answered your question in a very roundabout way. And I want you to know that I always appreciate you sending us emails. You always have something thoughtful to say and something to make us think. Um, and I find that exciting and I find that interesting. But I think that Martin St. Louis will be around for a while. I think the Habs will be as patient with him as they're going to be with their team. And he's going to learn. Like, he's like, this is the thing. It's He's, he's still learning. And he's going to learn a lot. Like, he's the kind of guy that I think, you know, over the in this offseason, if things don't go well, he's going to start meeting with, with coaches that he respects and admires to talk about what things went wrong. Um, I don't think he has a problem motivating his players. I don't think any of his players come to games without or lacking motivation. I think sometimes they lack the ability. Let's be honest. Sometimes they're not, they don't, they, they lack the physical health, right? Like there's a lot of injuries and nagging things like that. But I think that he's a really great motivator. I think he's going to work on his strategic thinking. Like clearly have the Habs brass see something in him and on that front so it's definitely going to be interesting to see uh how it continues and so for our next segment very very awkward transition there I need my co-host I honestly feel like I'm very very lost without him all the time uh but in our next segment <laughs> Um, we are going to talk about the all-decade team. Like, what is it? I talked about it a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago. So I'm going to bring you up to speed on that, and I'm going to talk about a couple of the uh, all-decade teams that have been sent to us in this uh, in the last couple of weeks. But that's all coming up in our next segment. But first, this episode is also brought to you by Game Time. How often do you find out an artist that you love is going to be in town and you fear you missed the boat on buying tickets, resulting in a mad scramble to get your hands on some? I mean, right now, it is the holidays. You are going to be wanting to get gifts, and this is going to be a bigger problem unless you get Game Time. Because getting tickets should not be stressful, particularly when you're trying to get some for a loved one uh, to show them how much you care at this time of the year. Game Time has flash deals and it's so easy to use. It is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And your all-in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. 
Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, so let me talk about the... Um, the all decade team that we were, uh, that we referred to, um, a couple of weeks ago in this episode, uh, sorry, on this podcast. Uh, but before I get to it, let me quickly remind everybody that Locked On has started the, or launched the first ever national sports 24 seven streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports of the day with the local expert of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, let's get into it. Our good friend Charles on Twitter sent us kind of a, it was a mailback question that I turned into a challenge that we can all be part of and his initial question was uh let me let me find it so that I can phrase it exactly uh with what he said all right okay this is the question make a decades starting lineup of one half star from the year 1970 1980 1990 2000 2010 and 2020 plus one substitute you can pick from any decade. So we still haven't answered Charles's actual mailbag question, not because we don't like him, we actually adore him, but because Scott and I haven't had a mailbag together when we were when we would be able to address this. We had uh, Jerome Barube on our last mailbag on Friday. You absolutely have to check that episode out. It is one of the favorite ones that I've done or we've done all season. Anyway, so I will be asking Scott that exact question. But what I, what I decided to do after I received this question uh, is turn it into a fun thing we can all be part of. And so I said, instead of doing it each year, take one player from each decade, but you have to start in 1970. So you can't use the 40s, 50s, 60s. You cannot do that. Or, you know, the 20s. You have to start in 1970. So Take one player from the 1970s, one from the 80s, one from the 90s, one from the 2000s, one from the 2010s, um, and for good measure, 2022 today. Um, and choose one player and create a starting lineup out of that. So I sent that out, or I, I uh, talked about it on an episode uh, by myself, but I want Scott to get involved as well. And we wanted to hear all of yours, and then we're going to put all them together, and we're going to create this team together. Like This is going to be a listener exercise. And we have received quite a few responses, so let me pull up a couple right now and just kind of read them to you. Um, all right, so we've got one from Ed. Um, so Lafleur. Guy Lafleur, obviously, Larry Robinson, uh, Patrick Roy, uh, Saku Koivu, ooh, P.K. Subban, and Cole Caulfield. All right, so on the wings, you've got Guy Lafleur and Cole Caulfield on either side, and they're centered by Saku Koivu, 
that's an interesting choice from the, from the 2000s. Uh, backstop by Patrick Roy, obviously. And then on defense, you've got Larry Robinson playing with P.K. Subban. I absolutely adore this. I really, really do. Um, and I think, like, I think it's interesting because I feel like we're going to see a common thread in some of them. Um, and then we're going to see some wildly differing opinions, but, um, I think, I think that that's a really, really, really fun, um, sorry, fun, fun response. And I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, all of the other ones. Sorry, it looked like I lost my connection for a bit there, but I don't think that happened. Sorry, I'm here. I'm here. So we've got one from our good friend Bill Van V. And the question, sorry, the response is, I loved slash hated this exercise. I enjoyed the process, but to leave certain players off the teams killed me. I chose a first team and a second team. Oh, yes. In that episode, I did say you could do it like the All-Stars and do a first and second team. Due to the construction of the teams, I had to leave certain players off that were heartbreaking, including Ken Dryden, Steve Shutt, Mats Naslin, Chris Chelios, and Alexei Kovalev. After agonizing choices, here are my teams. The first team is, obviously, uh, left wing, Vincent Danfus. Uh, center, Saku Koivu. So Donfus is from the 90s. Uh, Saku Koivu is obviously from the 2000s. From the 70s, you've got Guy Lafleur. I'm pretty sure everybody's going to be picking Guy Lafleur from the 70s. Uh, P.K. Subban from the 2010s. Shea Weber from the 2020s. And then Patrick Croix from the 1980s. And this is interesting. The second team has Brian Savage from the 90s, Stéphane Richet from the 80s, Cole Caulfield from the 20s, Andre Markov from the 2000s, uh, Larry Robinson, obviously, <laughs> um, and uh, Carrie Price from the 2010s. Sorry, Larry Robinson from the 70s. <laughs> and Carrie Price from the 2010s. So these are two really, really interesting responses, uh, which I absolutely loved. Um, and I want you guys to keep it coming. This is These aren't the only two we received. These are the only two that I'm reading today. Uh, we're going to keep this going. Scott and I haven't decided when we're going to actually end it and start the voting and all of that. But we want to hear yours first. And then we're going to put it to voting. Uh, and then we're going to present your choices. Obviously, our choices as well. But your choices, like our overall choices. Um, at some point, we're thinking in the new year. And finally, I did want to, I know it's like we're way past Thanksgiving, but I wanted to shout out our good friend Dog House <laughs> and, um, and present quickly Dog House's opinions on our Thanksgiving dinner draft. So for American Thanksgiving, um, Scott and I did a draft of food uh, or, or Thanksgiving related foods. So I uh, got a lot of flack for choosing ham first uh, as opposed to turkey but I still believe in my choices uh, and so here are doghouse's um, uh, responses to our Thanksgiving draft so <laughs> he says this is likely being sent too late as I just listened to your Thanksgiving draft well it's a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving and I'm still talking about this doghouse says Laura wins on a shootout with her soup choice yum but you both really blew it. <laughs> So here are Doghouse's choices. Appetizers, mushroom caps stuffed with stuffing in a nice cheese blend, cooked so the stuffing is crispy. 
Laura Soup is the outsider invited for dinner and welcome with open tummies and arms. Uh, main dish is turducken and honey roasted ham. And the side dishes are cooked carrots with brown sugar and butter and cinnamon. Macaroni with the crunchy breaded topping. You did not mention the topping, Scott, when you chose mac and cheese. Green beans as Lord described. So I said green beans not in the form of a casserole, but stir fried with like uh, almond slivers and really delicious garlic and stuff like that. Um, garlic mashed potatoes. Sweet potato casserole also with brown sugar and cinnamon outside of the bird stuffing. And dessert choices is key here. Pumpkin pie, the one from Costco is delicious with heavy whipped cream. French apple pie with a good quality vanilla ice cream. And you make sure you heat the apple pie. Finally, a drink. Apple cider with the option of adding fireball cinnamon for those over 18, which is the legal drinking age in Canada. Uh, so Doghouse, thank you for uh, your choices. Uh, I did get, I, I got a lot of heat for picking the ham over the turkey, but I stand by my choice. I stand by all my choices and I still think I won that draft. <laughs> um, I believe somebody responded. It might have actually been our boss, Sean Woodley, and somebody said picking ham right out of the gate with your first pick overall is sheer lunacy. So either way, I don't care. I'm sticking by my choice. Um, and we're at the end of the show now. And tomorrow is our recap of the LA Kings game. And also, we will have more mailbag questions and we will put Scott on the spot with the all decade teams um and we'll start we'll start collecting more and 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 doing the votes uh as we get closer to the holidays uh it, it'll be a fun activity for all of us to do and don't forget you know we've got so much coming up the world juniors are coming there's going to be so much to talk about in the next little while so don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast as well as on youtube you can email us mailback questions or any opinions or thoughts at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com you can also leave comments in the youtube uh comments and put mailback question or mbq or something like that so we know you want us to bring it up on the mailbag episode you can also find us on twitter at lo underscore canadians we thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time.